everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 135, Some Assembly Required, recorded March 16th, 2013, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementopie.com. I'm pleased... Hey, that's two weeks in a row, Mark. Two weeks what? I just had to interrupt you. Last week, I said March 19th, and this week, you said 2013, ah. so we've butchered the date two weeks Funny. in a row. And I was reading 2014, and I read 13. The date was actually right. 2014, people, um, if you're listening. I don't, honestly, I don't even know why I still do that. Nobody cares what date it was, and if they want to know, they can just go look at the date on the file, but I started doing it one time, and now it's one of those things I know if I stop doing it... I'll get hate mail, and it's just not worth it over something as simple as reading the date. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody, to the show that is not the Linux show that is not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox, your humble host. Happy to be back with you. And for the first time in almost a month, we have all three of the hosts here with us. And by the three of us, of course, of course, I'm referring to Chris, the command line godfather. Hey, Chris. Hey, uh, how's everyone doing today? And his gooey counterpart, Seth, the gooey kid Anderson. Hey, Seth. Hello, Mark, and welcome to the Element Opiite Faithful. Glad to be back. Um, I miss you guys. Ah, we missed you too, Mark. Missed you too. Um, as as was mentioned a couple of times last week, um, Jim Beeson asked if we've used that show title before. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, the, because the numbers in it are different. There you go. Ha. I mean, yeah. Jim, do you really expect me to go back and do a search every time we do a show? Ah, fine. I'll do. I'll look at it while these guys talk a little bit. Right, Chris, ready? Go. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I got some teasers for the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm working on a, a project for a. And I I don't know exactly if it's a Debian-based or if it's Ubuntu-based or if it's a Mint-based because it's kind of a little bit of all of them. But uh, I'm playing with Peppermint, so we'll see about how that works. That's a Hopefully. negative on some assembly required. Search came up nothing, so we probably did something close, but not that. So Peppermint OS, I used that uh, six years ago, something like that. Um, let me see if I remember it is a uh, GNOME 2, if it still is, um, a simple graphical interface designed for small systems, sort of like Puppy, or have they grown beyond that? They've grown to LXDE now. Okay. And it's a custom spin of LXDE. And I figured since I know you guys probably won't have the hardware to test it yourself, I'm going to see about either hosting it locally or hosting on another network that has a little better upload, and then giving you guys SSH access so you guys can play with it using um, uh, X2Go so you guys can actually see the graphical interface too. So you're going to give me some bandwidth so I can <laughs> do that? Well, yeah, but you can just, you know, it's just an SSH terminal, so it's it's pretty low end. You should be able to run it, Seth. Yeah, you're, you... Does SSH stand for secure <laughs> GUI interface? You are talking to the GUI kid. I know. It, well, it's SSH over with uh, X2Go as the command, the right. graphical client that you connect through. So you actually get, it's similar to No Machine. Yeah, just so, just set it up in a VM. It's a lot simpler. Well, that's what I'm going to do. 
I'm saying <laughs> Seth can set it up in a VM. Oh, yeah, Seth can set it up in a VM, I guess. Yeah. All right, so Peppermint OS, yeah, we're hoping, uh, can I can I say that, guys, or should I not say that? Uh, you can say I've asked and I okay. haven't heard back yet. We're hoping to have the uh, CTO, Chief Technology Officer for Peppermint OS, on to uh, to talk about it. So we're either going to do that, he, he's going to be here for the review, or we'll do the review and then he can uh, show up for a discussion. We're not sure which. Or he may just say, I don't care about you guys. We'll see. But yeah, we did ask. We'll see. Yeah, waiting to hear back. Seth has become a running fool in the last couple of weeks. He was already half there. I'll let you figure out which half. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still a fool. Don't worry, I'm not giving up that half. No, there's a, a blacklight run in Dallas, and it's basically a late night run. You know, they have black lights out. You wear a white T-shirt, and you get doused with glow powder. So uh, it looks like fun. And uh, so some people from my church are doing that. And I decided, you know, I'm going to do it too. And then I went and signed up for a zombie run next month. And that one's going to have some obstacles. Um, in my training today, I did a full 5K in like just over 36 minutes without stop. That's the first time I've ever run a 5K not stopping anywhere to walk. Um, but it was on a treadmill, so I don't know if that really counts. But the zombie run is going to have um, obstacles, so I'm going to have to start doing weights because, uh, you know, my legs can support this massive body, but my arms, I don't know. They... uh <laughs> I, I might have some, I might try to, you know, maybe knock over the wall instead of like go over it. Just, uh, I'll just run, I'll run into it and make a little hole or something. But zombies don't really right run. Up. They sort of shuffle. So are you supposed to be running from zombies or are you supposed to dress as a zombie? Well, you can either dress as a zombie or you can be, uh, like a runner guy. And you got to remember, Mark, my running really isn't that much faster than a zombie <laughs> shuffle to begin That's with. Okay. But no, apparently um, there will be different zombies in different zones. And so when you're in their zone, you have to kind of avoid them. Um, and, um, but it's like when you get to the obstacle or you're in line to do the obstacle, you've like reached a safe zone and they can't take you. It, you have a belt with three flags and, uh, Every time they, you know, they have to be able to grab a flag and take it off. If you've ever played flag football, it's like those kind of flags. And so the object is to reach the end of the race with the flag and, you know, you win. Right. So my, my, of course, my goal is just to finish. Right. Um, but hopefully I'll be able to win. Uh, it, it just, it looks like fun, you know, um, and I'm, I'm thinking about doing a 10K survival run in the fall that, uh, I'm going to see how, I get by the zombie run to know if it's something I want to even attempt. But the thought of doing it, I mean, the thought of me running a 5k, you know, it's just, it's still kind of nebulous to my mind, but I don't know if I want to try 10 kilometers of anything. So for those of you who are um, metrically challenged, a uh, 5k is 3.2 ish miles. Um, it's not an exact 3.2 miles. Uh, and most people can do that in a, of a fast walk so run in about 30 to 40 minutes so it's not a it's not a big commitment out of your day um it that that's generally considered the introductory the fun run kind of stuff mm -hmm. for me those two words don't go together um uh running socks uh and it is not fun <laughs> in any way uh, but hey to those people who enjoy that more power to you there you go but when you're over 350 pounds uh it is a commitment indeed so <laughs> Uh, 
Uh, and I just wanted to, uh, you know, the reason I was here last week, we've talked about it uh, a couple of times, uh, is that I had a, a death in the family. My sister-in-law, who who lived with us here in Georgia, uh, but grew up in Texas, she died, and we went back to Texas for the memorial service, burial service. Um, we loaded up, uh, you know, me, the wife, and three little girls, the oldest of which was 11, and uh, we, we drove... It's even where we left Thursday night after I'd already put in 10 and a half hours of work. So they picked me up at work and I jumped in the car and uh, we started driving in the rain. It rained the whole way. It was just, it was a miserable drive Thursday night. And so I got as far as Meridian, Mississippi, which is about six and a half hours of driving from Atlanta, Georgia. And I said, that that's it. I'm done. That, that, that building there looks like maybe we could fit in there. So we pulled into a holiday inn. <laughs> Somewhere around midnight, we crashed out, got up the next morning, and and finished uh, the rest of it after after having breakfast. Um, and then we rolled into Texas about four o'clock in the afternoon. We planned it that way because you can drive all day, but then you're just miserable for the whole day and shot the next day. So we we broke it in half to make it two slightly unpleasant or uh, things rather than one miserable thing. Um, and then you know the funeral was uh, was Saturday morning, and then we left after church on Sunday. So it was it was a bang bang bang. Uh, but wow. again, it we didn't have any plan as to where to stop or anything. And the uh, so Sunday afternoon we took off, and after about seven hours, we were in Meridian, Mississippi again. And I said, "Hey, I know that place." So we stopped there. <laughs> so we stayed in <laughs> on the same floor, just the other end of the hall, and ate at the same place for breakfast. So. Uh, that was that was our trip and we came back um you know and i went back to work the next day and it was um it was it was a difficult stressful time physically and emotionally uh but i do appreciate the uh the well wishes that i got from the community so that's all i have to say about that well i'm glad you at least had a safe travel even if it wasn't a fun one yeah well on the way back it was sunny and pretty and it was nice uh but yeah the it was miserable for but yeah (laughs) you guys you guys who are married you know how this is every time i drive my wife's car it costs me money because <laughs> because there's something wrong with it that she didn't that i didn't know uh-huh. about so we're i get in the thing and and i almost never drive her van anywhere except maybe to church on sunday mornings and it's just in town you know so we get out on the interstate and the first time i need to stop pretty quickly i realize her brakes suck um oh, no. and and not only that but it, I was, you were hearing the metal on metal grind so he she just run the shoes down to nothing um so i made that whole drive leaving extra space between me and the people in front of me knowing that there was just no way i was going to be able to stop but you know we were already scheduled at that point i couldn't pull over yeah um so she took it into to when we got back and not only did she need the front uh, shoes replaced but the whole, the rotors had to be turned because they had grooves worn in them and it turned out to be a, a you know a fairly extensive thing. And then as soon as she got in the car afterwards, first time she stepped on the brakes, she nearly threw herself through the front windshield because suddenly it stopped. You know she wasn't used to that. <laughs> but my wife well, is one of those people who likes to run up to the stop sign and then stop at the last second. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, she's she's one of those. Well, then she just taught herself a valuable lesson about brakes. Then. <laughs> <laughs> and so that that wears on the brakes uh, pretty pretty terrible. But the last time I drove it. I forget. I think I had to get new tires because I, I noticed it was handling a little weird. I looked out and there was steel showing on one. Of oh, come on. I can't drive her car without it costing me money. Uh, I hate when that happens. Yes. 
There's nothing worse than than having mon- something cost money. Women, basic maintenance. You don't have to know anything about the car. That's fine. But if it feels kind of funny, say something. Let yeah. your man, or if your man is 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 clueless, take it to somebody and say this seems a little weird because we don't we we don't want to spend money. We're all tightwads, but we don't want to get new wives either. So we would rather you, you know, take it to somebody and say, this is a little weird. That's my message to the, to the two women in the audience. (laughs) Uh, And Seth, uh, did you fire up the old Kickstarter? Yes or no? Well, no, I haven't yet. um, But I looked into, uh, basically I sent them an email and I'm waiting to hear back to find out what, if any, um, are the qualifications to get a press pass and uh oh, okay. you know because I, I just wanted to know that you know if i'm gonna go can i get a press pass um i don't you well, know I, I wouldn't know what to say and i wouldn't even know what kind of questions to ask them because i'm not i looked at some of the presentations that are scheduled and i'm like this conference is so not for me. I'm not a Linux guy. <laughs> I'm just an end user computer fixer guy. And, uh, but it looks like, and you know, I just think it would be cool to walk around with the press pass, asking people questions, recording their answers and, you know, maybe squeezing a show or two or 10 out of it. There you go. Yeah. It, it's, it's a good thing to check anyway, because if they do qualify you as a press pass, then at least it's cutting down the, your initial cost to go because you don't have to worry about ticketing. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I mean, I, I sent them a whole email, tried to talk up the podcast as much as I can, and then, uh, you know, ba- ask what the qualifications were. And then, you know, you got the standard Autobot response of someone will be yeah. with you, you, like, within two business days, I think. Autobots um, roll I, out. <laughs> yeah. So Let's roll. I, I'm sure that they looked at that and went, holy crap, another podcaster. Yeah, 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 yada, yada. Millions of listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow everyday Linux we don't want you know they probably got a good laugh out of it yeah. so hey I've heard of those we'll guys see. they talk about Windows more than they talk about Linux <laughs> and, and speaking of yeah, Windows well, what was it they said about Steve Stallman <laughs> speaking of Richard Stallman he don't even know his name yeah sorry <laughs> you know I what I knew and what I said what I know and what I say don't always equal. You know, you have this one person in your head. It's like you read 2014 this 2013. Right. So give me a break. Yeah. What's funny, though, is I had the perfect transition, and we just blew it up because I was going to say, speaking of Windows, one of the things that you don't have with Linux that you do have with Windows is dealing with drivers. Well, not 100%, but yeah. The, I've I got a couple of machines in my home shop that are giving me fits of rage um and if anyone's watching that's why i have this little brown bottle in my hand i i called it i called it about an hour ago i said that's it i'm done i'm not futzing with them anymore and i broke out my favorite little brown bottle of of yummy ale so. of root beer of course of yes yeah 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 okay your root beer maybe <laughs> <laughs> it's daddy's root beer as, as my my daughter says when she sees me drinking it oh that's you're funny. having a daddy root beer Yep, that's it. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm done with drivers. I I really, really want to go back to my Linux. I wish everyone would run Linux, and then maybe we could get some support for uh, those crappy uh, what Wi-Fi drivers are those? The Broadcoms. Broadcom. See, I have the, a couple the, of Broadcoms that still give me grief. 
The thing about drivers in Linux is you don't really, you don't spend any time fighting with a driver. You either have one or you don't. Yep. And that's pretty much it. And you can go on a forum and they can give you 47 steps to recompile your own. And then you do that and they don't work anyway. So you either have one or you don't. And that's kind of the way you ask a Mac user, you know, uh, what do they think about drivers? And a Mac user is going to say, what, what, what's a driver? I don't even yep. know. I plug it They'll in. They'll say, don't you love the planet? Why would you want to change that? <laughs> don't you love the planet? Yes. Uh, okay. Well. So I, you know what? Sorry. Let's jump straight into that. We'll go straight from there with uh, <laughs> because we're talking about uh, uh, Mac users and loving the planet. We have a voice, uh, 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 an email in our listener feedback section from a fellow named Richard, who uh, had the following to say. And I have to say, I was not on last week's show. I, I do know what he's referring to, and anybody who listened to last week's show will know, or whoever listens to the show will know exactly who he's asking the question to. Uh, so <laughs> Richard says, commenting uh, on something another listener named Dennis said, uh, one of you responded, quote, Windows 7 is a good OS. It's solid, it's stable, and well-received by the tech world. You could do worse. You could do Vista or Mac, end quote. First thing, shame on me for writing in for the first time about something that got my goat to put some Southern on it. Um, and not to praise you guys for the wonderful work you do. I'm a longtime listener and sponsor supporter. I've been with, I've been subscribed to linuxacademy.com since they first appeared on your podcast. Now back to the response and what got my goat. The comment about doing worse with Mac OS X 10, not X, please. For the love of all things, good. How, first of all, could OS X ever end up in the same category as Vista? I mean, really? And how is using OS X to do worse, in your humble opinion, of course? Yes, I'm a Mac user, if that was not already obvious. And yes, I too use Linux. And yes, unfortunately, in my humble opinion, I have to use Windows at work. Windows 7 is solid, solid, and I holistically agree with that, and I love Linux. But OS X has been one of the best OS experiences, pound for pound, I've ever had in my nearly 30 years of using a computer. I really would like a response to this on or off the program. So here you go. Here's your response, Richard. Okay, Richard. Well, as I've said many times before, my beef with Mac is more a um, philosophical one as opposed to technically. I mean... Their, their OS is very pretty. It, it looks very pretty and you can take a one button mouse and click your way around and make yourself happy in there. I don't like the, this is the way it is to be done. Don't you dare ask about doing it a different way mentality that seems to be ingrained in the Mac culture. So I, I just, and the way they want to do things is never the way I want to do things. I, I I know how to find my way around Windows pretty good. I mean, I've been using it a long time and I can usually find my way around Linux whenever, uh, whenever I'm in there. But it's like, I don't know. Somebody said, where do you think Seth would look for this? Let's put it anywhere <laughs> but there. And so my, you know, my time of using a Mac ends up usually with me cussing because since I don't own it, I can't physically break it over my knee. Um, but I just, I, I, I have never left a Mac going, and that was a great experience. I want to go buy one. I've always, there's no way somebody would have to pay me for, you know, I'm cheap. If somebody paid me, I would use one, but somebody would have to pay me to use one. I've never enjoyed my Mac experience, but you know, I mean, they're stable because you're only allowed one type of hardware. And so, you know, it's going to work with it. And 
like I say, if you like to point and click uh, with your single mouse button, then go go for it. But my beef with Mac is more philosophical than technical in nature. And so in the sense that I hate it with a passion reserved for few other things, that's how it ends up in that category, Richard. <laughs> and, and Seth, while, while I don't have your hatred of all things Mac uh, and, and Apple and Steve Jobs in general... I, I will agree with that experience. Uh, I have tried to use a Mac repeatedly, but admittedly, I've never forced myself to. Now, when I first started using Linux, I, I had to force myself to. I had to get through some of the learning curve issues. Um, but with a Mac, I'm not going to plunk down 1500 bucks to force myself to do the experience. Um, right. And so that I, but like you, every time I use one, I walk away with it thinking, Ugh, I just, I didn't enjoy that. It was, it was boxing with my computer. I was dob, bodge, dob, bobbing and weaving and dodging and, and, and begging with it to get some things done. And I, I think that's fully learning curve. And I think if I sat, if I owned a Mac and if I lived with it for six weeks, uh, I would be past all of that. And I would be able to give it a well-reasoned review and say, you know, this is what's good about it, this is what's bad about it. But I've never been able to get that far uh, because the, par- the the barrier to entry is far too high for me to experiment with it. My boss has never given me one, uh, nor has anybody else ever given me one, and it's just way too expensive to own a Mac. And I, I can hear you people out there saying, well, just install the OS on something else, make a Hackintosh. That's not legal. I don't like to do things that aren't legal. Yes, it's technically possible, but it's against the user agreement, and I don't like to do it. So I'm not going to be a Hackintosh guy. Uh, so, you know, there it is. Uh, I I will stop short of saying it sucks, but I will say I've never enjoyed the experience. Yeah, you know, and historically, and of course these lines have kind of blurred now, on one end of the continuum you had the the Mac experience that do it this way and like it, and then on the other end of the continuum, you had Linux that was, ah, we don't care. Do whatever you want to, however you want to do it. If you don't like any of the few hundred ways we have, come up with your own. It's all good. And kind of in the middle was Microsoft that's like, okay, this is the way you should do it, but we're going to give you a few different options to let you choose. And so to me, Microsoft fit the, um, fit the framework. It, it was, it was a broad enough framework that I was happy making my own choices, but narrow enough to use it uh, consistently across devices. But again, that's more of a historical distinction that probably lives on in my mind more than in the real world today. So there you go. And I'll just go on the books and saying that um, I agree with everything that the other guys have said. And the fact that I don't like the idea that you have to pay for absolutely everything. There is no such thing as a free lunch or a free software in the Mac world usually. Um, I know there are the rare occasions, but the majority of the software is paid for and there is no source code to even go look at it. So for me, that's where I don't like it. Um, I don't have the opportunity to review something if I wanted to. So right, tough nuts. <laughs> so I, and, you know, Go ahead, Seth. I was going to say, like I've said before, you know, if somebody wants to pluck down a few thousand dollars in sponsorship we can easily change the name to everyday mac and love it so you know i can't be bought but uh until someone buys me out my principles remain stolid 
that that would cost i'm I'm gonna go ahead and throw that price out there that would cost on the order of a hundred k each per year um for for that to happen you guys are cheap you guys are cheap (laughs) (laughs) i would be a little Uh, bit yeah add a couple more zeros I'm sure with a hundred thousand, the next security update they did would somehow magically fix fix everything. The, yeah, uh, it would fix and address all my issues, and I would love it <laughs> and tell everyone. And and with Richard, with regards to OS ten versus OS X, dude, they write an X. People are gonna read it and say X. I I, I know that it's ten. I recognize that. Um, I don't say Super Bowl X V L L one. You know either. Uh, but I, you got to cut people some slack for saying OSX because when you read the box, it says three letters O S X. Um, anyway, we yeah, hope that uh, that and also Seth is uh, has a bit of a shtick there for hating Mac, so you got to give him some credit. If you're a, a long time listener, you know that. So. Uh, right. I hope that answers your your questions, Richard. Uh, but there were a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. I'm listening to the show. It's a listener feedback show, and you guys are reading things and answering questions, and I'm I'm yelling at you in my car, going, "Come Uh-oh. on, guys, you're getting it wrong. You're, that's not right." Uh-oh. Oh, I need to say. So I I started started an email to myself while I'm sitting in traffic, and I'm jotting down things as you <laughs> you guys go. Um, but so the first thing that I, I wanted to mention is. Uh, I, uh, Jeff, I think it was, uh, wrote in and asked about how to remotely control multiple machines uh, across platform. And you guys uh, talked about VNC, and um, uh, you, uh, Chris, you mentioned um, a v, Team uh, uh, a, yeah, TeamViewer and a VPN software, uh, Tiny something, I think is what you were looking for. You couldn't remember the name of it. Now I can't either. I should have wrote it down in my in traffic. But what you were screaming for, listener whose name I don't recall, was ITALC, I-T-A-L-C, Intelligent oh. Teaching and Learning with Computers. It's designed for the classroom, but it's exactly what you want to do. It's built on VNC, but it's uh, got a lot more built around it. It's got a, a really nice dashboard. Uh, it will work uh, through a VPN tunnel as long as you know the IP address uh, on either end. It doesn't care. Um, it's cross-platform, Windows, Mac, and Linux, and it's free and open source, italc. It's a little buggy. Just get that out there in the open. But you live with the bugs, and it's it's an amazing piece of software. I had it installed on thousands of computers uh, wh- where I used to work. Um, and you can, you can break things up. You can have different... Um, um, Classrooms is what they're called, but you can lay them out however you want. So you you say this computer is this classroom, this, and you can name it whatever you want. So in my scenario, I could, with a click of a button, dial into any group of computers um, at the school where I worked and see what was going on in a little uh, uh, um, what's that word? Where it's small and there's a bunch uh, icon, of them? not icon, the other one. Snapshot, a little snapshot Th- view. Thumbnails. Thumbnail. thumbnail. That's the word. A little thumbnail view. I could see uh, a bunch of those, and I could click into any one of those, and you can see it. And and also, listener, whose name I don't remember, you were saying uh, you, you can do it. You can lock out their keyboard and say, you got no control. I got it. More than that, you can project what's on your screen to their screen and say, watch yeah. me do this. And you can do that with multiple people. It's an amazing piece of software. Uh, we spoke with uh, Tobias, uh, the uh, the designer of the software, on our Taiwan Tech Show a couple of years ago. Uh, great piece of software. Italc, I T A L C, 
uh, Google that. I think it's italdocsourceforge.net is the um, address. But just there, that's the only thing you're going to find if you do italk. And it's exactly what you wanted to do. It's going to be a little little bit of setup, but once you're done, it will be rock solid. Yeah, that would work too. Um, I guess I never think of italk because I, I personally, I'm one of those use the administrators or users that if anything could possibly go wrong, it will and did. So it, italk left a bad taste in my mouth when I went to set it up. But you know, maybe you'll have better luck than I did. Um, it took me probably twice as long as it did for Mark to set up. His thousand, it took probably that long to set up a couple of, I think I had a hundred I was trying to work it on. Yeah, initially I had it just in a, in a install script on the image and it just went out there and you've got a, your control panel, you have to build out an XML file and you can do it through the GUI or once you read it and, you know, grok the language, you can write your own XML file. And I was just, you know, I had one and I would find and replace what I wanted. Um, You can, if you're, if you know the MAC address and you're, a, uh, it wouldn't work across the VPN because I doubt it would carry that traffic. Uh, but you can you can send a wake up machine and and the wake on land, uh, turn a machine on. You can turn a machine off. You can you can uh, what I used to call the "May I have your attention, please?" button. Uh, you push that button and it blacks out their screen, uh, so they they're forced to look at you if you're in the front of the classroom. The teachers like that one. Um, so I talk. Check that one out. And my other piece ah, of comment was uh, about CAPTCHA. Jim wrote in, Jim, who uh, is in the chat room right now, made the comment that, boy, that CAPTCHA was hard. And uh, Chris said, yeah, all captures are hard. He was actually making a joke. The CAPTCHA on our website, um, and I forget the name of the module I use. I, I should, should have looked that up ahead of time. But it's unique in that it's not images. It's questions. And what's special about it and what makes it virtually impossible to to beat is you write your own questions and answers so you uh you you install it and you write whatever and so my questions are like what is the first word of the sentence even the dumbest human on the planet can answer that but a computer is going to be stymied by it uh i would say i think one of them is what grows in a cornfield um you know what color are blueberries and so these are super simple questions but it's been a hundred percent effective against bots i have there's never been a bot that that something that looked like a bot to me. Now people are still hacking it, but they're farming it out. So a human goes in, answers the captcha, and then reports back their credentials to somebody else. And I still get tons of spam, but it's not bats bot spam. Some human actually has to take the time to uh, crack the captcha. And it and because it's text, it works perfectly with screen ca- uh, readers and all that sort of stuff. So um, if you run a website. I'll, I'll try to remember the name of it or put it in the show notes, uh, but you, it, it it has plugins for WordPress and Drupal and all those sort of things. If you run a website and you want a captcha that won't piss people off, that's the one you got to go with. Huh. Well, I guess I just cool. don't ever see the captcha, so I never really, I didn't realize that you moved off the imaged ones to the, right. uh, yeah. Well, I have it so. set up so that once you answer a captcha, it never asks you for another one. You've You've proved you're a human. And so it's done. So, yeah, you yeah. answered it early on, and you've never seen it again. And the other people, same uh-huh. thing. But if you go tr- go post a comment on the website right now, not logged in, and you'll see um, a captcha will pop up. And, you know, and uh-huh. the, the, I, I built like 20 questions in there. Uh, and the, the tricky part is the it reads the answers exactly. So you have to put in uh, all the possible capitalizations of it and some of the common misspellings of it. Um just to make sure that you're going to get it. But when you build your own database, I, I think I've got 20 questions in there. It took me a few minutes to come up with them. 
Uh, and then it's 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 been a hundred percent effective against bots for me. Cool, very cool. So Sweet. those were the two things that I wanted to talk about uh, in terms of my listener feedback as a as a feedback uh, as a listener to last week's show. Um, <laughs> well, at least it was only a couple of things. Yeah. Well, I had others, but those were the ones that were the most important. Ah. Uh, well, then we didn't do too bad for for being you know the cat the while well, the cat's away the mice uh, play. <laughs> I, I have full confidence when I hand the guy show it over to you that you can't do worse than I do. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's fine. <laughs> um, and Chris, you want to talk about this uh, your own Kickstarter project here, your own pet project? Oh, it's excuse me, Indiegogo. Well, it's, it, it's, so, it's not my pet project, but I'm backing another one. Um, this is another pet of of that's not a Kickstarter, but it's Indiegogo. And this is a if anyone is in the anime field at all and haven't looked around and, and looked at different versions of of or of anime to listen to, uh, this one's from Writing Shotgun. It's a kind of an over the top uh, post op not post apocalyptic. Thank you. Um, but it's similar to it where the uh, pop, the United States has ratified the uh, contract killing of people, so anyone could be a, a hired gun, um, and it goes into detail about that. There was, a, I think, there were fifty. Or, uh, it was a short one not too long ago, and now the the writers are trying to get into a, a repeating series. Um, it's kind of one of those <laughs> tongue in cheek, semi, you know. I wouldn't let little kids watch it. It's definitely for adults, but it's a funny and comical moment to, you know, in the little three minute trailer they have on their Indiegogo page. Um, I had a couple of laugh out loud moments going, are you kidding me? Really? So it was good. Um, and you know, they're, they're trying to get 40,000, but they're, they got 22 days left and they're at 15,000. I don't know if they'll make it, but regardless, they get the money because it's Indiegogo and they will be making some episodes at least when they finish the uh the campaign so if you're an anime fan go take a look at them um it's pretty fun i love it go listen go do more and i i hope everyone donates some, at least a dollar to them and there you go and uh seth if you uh if kickstarter turns you down indiegogo is much looser with their terms of service so you might be able to do that one for your send me to linux con so anybody who pledges is required to give. There's no like it has to reach a certain thing before. Nope. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's called flexible. They're flexible. Uh, let me look at that wording again. Um, you can set it up as flexible funding, where regardless if you don't meet the goal or not, you still get the money to do something for it. Huh. I would have to come up with like my flexible goal thing because. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I don't want to get $10 and then foot the rest of the, because if all I got was $10, I wouldn't go. Um, well, and that's I'm fine. You don't cheap. have to. With that. And, and well, the, 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 that's actually true on uh, Kickstarter, too. You can take the money and run. Um, you're investing in a project, and there are lots of projects that got funded, and then the people who were doing it said, yeah, it turns out we couldn't actually do it for this kind of money, and it just went away. Um, there's, yeah. there's no guarantee with, with crowdsource funding like that. All right, so no, let's move right know. on to the tech news of the week. And, you know, it, it's been a busy week for bugs lately uh, and, uh, well, the last several weeks. And Linux has uh, has been right in the spotlight, and it's not always the kind of spotlight you want to be in. You guys talked about the GNU TLS FUD versus FACT 
last week, and that shows up in this article as well on the Linux Insider. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I just wanted to mention this. It's not so much that, you know, there's the, there's the myth of Linux and vulnerability that, you know, you, you're walking around 10 feet tall, bulletproof, um, impervious to kryptonite, um, and all things magical if you run Linux. And it, it's, that's simply not the case. This is just kind of like, you know, Linux has bugs, but Linux bugs are taken care of so much faster because people see them and they report them and, you know, there's not the draconian security and obfuscation. Obs- how, how do you say that? Obfuscation. Yes. That, you know, so nobody knows what the source code is and only two people alive know how to fix it. And, you know, one of them doesn't work there anymore. So whenever, <laughs> whenever people find bugs in Linux, they're reported, they're taken care of. It's seen by a lot of people. So, you know, most, you, you know, they're bugs and not backdoors, uh, for the most part. And, just as Linux moves forward, it moves forward at a faster pace. You know, um, the first version of Android that came out, it was, it was pretty much garbage, but because it was open source, it improved so quickly that even though Apple iOS had a many year head start, I think most people would say they're at least comparable. And there's probably at least as many people who would say Android is better as opposed to iOS is better because the more open nature of it allows things to see, you know, the more eyes you have, the easier you're going to see problems. And that was just really what this bug story is. You know, the title of the article is Linux bugs, bugs everywhere. And it's not a, it's not a fear thing that, you know, don't turn on your computer or it's going to get pwned. It's just that, you know, Hey, bugs happen and they get fixed and let's get over it. Um, at least in Linux. All right. That's you can't much say more than yeah. that. I have nothing to add to that. Um uh, see I think I'm trying to remember I was doing some quick research. Isn't Pwn to Own coming up soon just or finished. just happened? Just yeah, finished. okay. Yep. So yeah. there's there's not a, an article in that, but that's one of the things where Google Google shows up, invites you and says, Please hack my system. Um Right. And, I remember, and you know, um, other companies as well. Do you, um, I remember the results for this year, um, released the base results. Everything was hacked except for Java this year. Wow. That's, just, that's unprecedented. Yeah. Because nobody it tried or what? It. No, it was, well, they were going up against the, the latest version of Java, which, you know, evidently didn't have any, you know, zero day exploits on. So, but if memory serves the articles that I read on, um, that it was, Everything was busted on every platform except for Java. Well, and Java turns itself off by default. So, you know, if if you're running the latest version of Java, it's off unless you turn it on. So it's kind of hard to pwn yeah. that unless there's an exploit. But the MacBook Air was pwned in two minutes flat. Yep. Um, so obviously these are known bugs that have it, and people hold on to them. They don't publish them so that they, they can get those tools. But... uh uh, you know, security is you. You can it. You can never be perfect because we're people, and all computers right. software is written by people, and people suck, without exception. Um, that's one of my undeniable truths of life. All people suck without exception. Um, and you know, sometimes you suck more than others. Uh, yeah. And so you know, that's that's just kind of the 
that's just the way it is. And and so when we hear these things like the GNU TLS and these other things, it, it bothers me not that they're publicized. That's fine. People need to, to, to know about them. But don't make such a, so much hay about it because it was in like the go-to-fail thing. People were ridiculing Apple about it. That was a simple error. Um, not only was it a simple error to make, a simple error to overlook. Uh, and, you know, sure, it means that every uh, iOS and, and Apple platform was compromised. And that's a big deal. But, you know, people saying, did the NSA plant that? Was that by design? Uh, come on, people. It was, a, a guy screwed up. It, g- deal with it. It goes on. Same with the GNU TLS. It just somebody messed up. It's okay that people mess up. We fix it and we move well, on. The, the thing that I always wonder when I was, you know, doing when I was listening to that um, issue about Apple's go to fail, why didn't the compiler pick those up? You know, that's that's an obvious error that should have been picked up by, you know, bugging by in a debug error. I just well, that would be picked up by an industry standard compiler, but you know, yeah. Not not necessarily a Mac standard compiler. <laughs> well, okay. Because All if right. you, if you use things... a non-Mac standard compiler, you don't love the planet. I'm not <laughs> I, let's 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 let that one go and move on to the next story of the week. Google wants to pay out uh cash for apps referrals. So if you like Google Apps and you refer other people to it, you make money. This is not a new scheme. Right. No, um not. You know, the fact is, it's kind of cool that if you can convince some business to switch to Google Apps, you get $15 per person up to 100 new users. So, for example, if there's a company of 100 people out there and you convince that company to go to Google Apps, you will make 100 times $15. Um, if it's a thousand person company, you only make 100 times 15. But, and this is, uh, that's 100 per company. So if you get 10 users, uh, or 10 different companies to switch, then, hey, you know, you can get 15 times the number. Um, and the thing is, though, they have to use the service for at least 120 days. So it's not like, try it for a month and I'll split the cash with you. No, you, they have to stick around for a while. But, you know, I, I think it's pretty cool. You know, Google wants more market share, and this seems like a good way to do it. You know, there's nothing wrong with you got to pay for your advertising. So why not pay the Joe on the street as opposed to, you know, um, advertising agencies, which I mean, Google is an advertising agency and they make commercials and they have ad agencies work for them. But now you can work for them, too. So go around and convince everybody to switch to Google Apps and you can you can bring home a little bank. You know, and everybody does this. Dish has their, you know, uh, refer a friend and get $50 off your bill thing uh, at&t just rolled out their new framley plans and uh back in the day sprint long distance had their friends and family thing that's this is nothing new it's it's getting your users to proselytize other users um i'm frankly i'm not even sure why this is even a new story uh, other than you know people like to point at google doing things that other people have been doing for centuries uh but I like apps. I would refer. I have referred people to apps. Uh, they owe me some too. money in 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 retrospect. They owe me yeah. uh, a couple hundred in, thousand dollars in <laughs> the rears, dividends in the yes. rears. I was, you know, I was just thinking. You know, what about a school? Because uh, I was implementing the school to change over to Google. Does that count? Yeah, well, they don't you pay know, for it, so that that's uh, not going to help. It's got to be paid customers, I'm sure. Ah, uh, well, then that's not quite as fun. You know, and I'm going to actually bring up a little bit um, on a different 
note, but still staying with the Google apps. Um, have you guys seen the new add-ons and the new abilities that apps have been added? Apps is um, growing up. Some, yes, it is. Um, I like the new add-on features with some of those things. I actually was talking with some of my teachers uh, not too long ago, and one of them was the uh, bibliography add-on, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Why didn't I have this growing up? This is this is right. almost not even fair." And it's like, "Well, what do you mean?" She goes, "I can pick which type of of." bibliography i can put on there you know i can right. pick from the three and i kind of started looking over i'm like wow they did add a bunch and then they added a bunch of stuff to um their sheets the spreadsheet yeah. program that so, you can now do a mail merge that's something that you yep. know uh microsoft has made a lot of hay about the fact that chromebooks don't have office on them and office has um um functionality that uh, online tools don't and uh google is cro- closing that gap i mean mail merge is a big deal and and uh fax service send and receive faxes right from google apps that's not a free service but th- it's not free on word either um yeah. you have to you have to pay for a fax service or have a fax line so um yeah i'm i'm super excited that they're doing these things they're they're not surfacing them they're hidden and they're only rolling them out a little at a time, but that's the way Google does things. Uh, I think uh, it won't be too long until Google Apps has everything that a typical uh, built-in Office suite has. Well, I don't, and I think that that timeline is getting shorter and shorter as Google pushes more of these things out. Um, the whole the the add-ons was a big game changer for a lot of the teachers that I was hearing a lot of blowback saying they hated Google Docs for whatever reason. They started looking at these add-ons and went, "Oh my God, I don't have to worry about Word anymore. My kids don't have to have Word in their home computers. Yep. They can do it all in Google." So, it's a big deal. And I can't wait to see what comes next. I think the big loser in this is not Microsoft, but Open Office. Um, yeah. the, there's now no reason to install Open Office if you have even the most basic internet connectivity. Well, all right. Yeah, I killed I mean, the conversation with that one. <laughs> so, well, I yeah, gonna, I don't know. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to bring up. I thought LibreOffice was doing an online suite as well. Did that get, you know? Oh, it's still in the shoveled? works. It's still it's in the still works. Working. Well, and actually, I was going to. Uh, I was going to save this one for uh, a couple of weeks down the road. But the latest LibreOffice, you can actually manage uh, your Google Drive through it. So you can use it as a front end to Google Drive because, you know, let's face it, the Google Drive apps um, leave much to be desired for offline editing of your documents. So maybe that's where they will stay. Three minutes ago, you said something, Seth, that would have been a perfect lead into this new article and then Chris blew it up by going somewhere else. So I'm just going to say Apple is being a jerk. I had to censor myself there. Um, <laughs> if you'll recall, some time ago, Apple tried to sue Samsung saying that they owned the black piece of glass. If you made something that was a black piece of glass, you owed Apple money. A, a judge threw that one out of court. Well, they're back at it again saying, hey, Samsung, every phone you've sold, you owe us 40 bucks because we own the black slab of glass yeah and the judge has um see it seems to me as if the judge has disallowed a lot of evidence that would prove 
or you know that would um, substantiate Samsung's claim that this is a load of crap and anybody who has ever heard of uncommon sense would be able to know it whether you have it or not um, but yeah Apple is saying yeah that'll be $40 per phone that you owe us for every one you've ever made and be more on the new ones um, but they uh, and the US district judge on February 25th issued an order throwing out much of Samsung's expert report but at the same time allowing Apple's um and the damage numbers um something like $40 per phone it it's going to the jury and you know this is they've been fighting this war for years Apple seems to win in America and Samsung seems to win pretty much everywhere else so um you know and while according to patent blogger Florian Mueller the patents that they're going after include such things as tapping a number, unified search, having one search box that does everything, synchronizing data, and slide to unlock, and of course, autocomplete. Because nobody ever did autocomplete of a word or a sentence before Apple. Ridiculous. Nobody ever synchronized data between a handheld device and a server before apple ridiculous um, nobody had a search service before apple nobody ever put a number on the screen that you could click or tap before apple mark i have to stop you right there steve jobs said android copied apple therefore it's gospel you are not allowed <laughs> to disagree with anything steve jobs said you need All to apologize for everything you just said how dare you cast a disparaging remark his way i mean come on he's steve jobs he he can do no wrong i Sorry. had a black and white actually it was green and black palm m100 where i tapped numbers in 1998 that's all I have to say about this. They Moving stole right it from along. Apple. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, who owns the, the, the? Didn't Apple buy a bunch of Palms patents not too long ago? <laughs> I or, could am be. I thinking the other way? I don't know. No, I don't I think so. Um, hmm, I don't know. Maybe that was eight. Maybe that's um, HP that did that. Yeah, HP all bought right. Palm. So. So, according to our good friend Michael Larabelle at Foronix.com, we have a new hardware manufacturer offering a Linux laptop on the high end of things. And the company's name is Eurocom. So, uh, you know, it's one of those, it's kind of announced and they're going to have it out soon, but they seem to be pretty decent. And so, I'm just glad that there's more choice for people buying uh linux off the shelf and not you know buy it with an os license and then you know download linux but you can actually buy linux pre-configured um on their model so welcome eurocom to the wonderful peaceful fun loving world of linux never a cloud <laughs> i'm sorry i almost got through that without laughing sorry <laughs> sorry i just you know well but yeah no it's, it's interesting cool that they're it's cool uh, I think it's interesting though that they're offering it, it when this if this comes to pass um, an upgradable video card and then you could pick your operating system if it's OS you know if you want Windows or Linux so I think they're aiming more for not just Linux based but everything based right but yeah you can go to eurocom dot com and check them out. See if uh, see if it's something you 
might be interested in. Um, so I'm sorry, guys. I was looking for where they've moved the strike through in Google Docs now. I was going to strike out an article in the notes because I didn't want to do it. And that button has been <laughs> moved or removed and I can't find it. Thank I think you. It's a, yeah, control Google giveth and Google taketh away. Um, it's under format, Mark. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, there used to be a button for it, and now there's not. So anyway, moving right along. What do you get when you spend nineteen billion dollars to buy a company? You apparently well, get, if it's what, yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. I was gonna say you apparently get a whole lot of problems. Um, we mentioned before uh, Facebook. I don't know what they were thinking, but they thought WhatsApp was worth $19 billion just because of the cool-sounding name, I guess. But now there's lots of stuff coming out that shows how insecure uh, WhatsApp is, and all of the um, text messages and stuff that you delete are still there on your system for anybody to find. And, um, yeah, so and there's several other, apparently, issues with the... Um, you know, and if you're not familiar with WhatsApp, it's kind of a, you can do messaging over data now instead of paying for phone messaging. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool there. I don't think they're the first people to ever do it, but they're the ones that got popular among the, um, the preteen kind of crowd. Um, and, and the young, the youngins out there seem to really like WhatsApp. And so Facebook seeing a threat to their, um, I don't know. I don't know. Just if nobody's using Facebook and everybody uses WhatsApp, then Facebook's not worth anything. So Facebook spent a ridiculous amount of money to buy them. And now it, now that WhatsApp is getting a lot of press, it, they're seeing that, Hey, you know, there's a lot of issues with this. And, you know, not to mention a lot of people have left it since Facebook announced their buying of it. Did anybody uh, here have WhatsApp on their phone? Never used curiosity. it. Nope. No, a, a lot of people I know um, use it, but um, I've never used it. Yeah, I, I when I want to send a text message, I send a text message. I guess I'm an old fogey like that. Um, I've also never used Snapchat, which puts me right in the company of the get-off-my-lawn guy. Uh, so. <laughs> I'll make room for you, Mark. Don't worry. <laughs> But those of us who are my age and older fondly remember the underlined link that that has been the stalwart companion of of HTML for you know years now for, since the the early nineties. But sadly, they are no more. At least where Google's concerned. Aww. Yes, if you go but to like Google them. and and you search for anything, you know, used to, you would see the name of the thing underlined and there would be underlines for everything, um, emphasizing the fact that, Hey, this is a clickable link. Now they no longer do it. Now, um, you know, I guess it's just blue, which is fine unless you're colorblind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's also bold and it's the top item. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give them that I guess. But Web, webmasters know, have been using CSS to determine links for a very very long time, and so I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure on my own website, links aren't underlined. I'm gonna have to go look and see. I know they're bolded and in a different color, 
but I can't remember if I know. But links on my own site are not underlined until you hover over them. Then they become underlined. Ah. So, uh, you know, uh, CSS has made that um, a, a relic of the past, but Google likes <laughs> likes to move slowly. And so yeah, it, it took them a good 20 years to remove the underlines. Oh, well. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's no more underlines. You know, and it's I didn't notice it uh, until I read this article. I was like, wait a minute, let me go to Google and Google something. I went, hey, there's no lines. So crazy. I didn't even notice it at all till now. And my favorite media client in the world is now available on Windows 8. Well, some Windows 8s anyway. Yeah, I just, I love VLC, so I wanted to give them a shout out. Now they have a version that is available for Windows 8 unless you have a Surface 2. So if you're that one guy out there who has the Surface 2, um, you know, it's still <laughs> not available for you yet. <laughs> but for everybody, for those other five people who have Windows 8, um, you know, hey, we can all watch VLC now. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I love VLC and I wanted to give them some love. So love you, VLC. Uh, way to represent. Uh, it's, I wonder how it's, long it's going to be before they come to Android then, because they're still not totally on Android. Yeah, it's been my viewer of choice for a long time. Uh, uh, the school where I worked, I used a different one. I, I'm trying to remember what it name, what what it was, but it's basically VLC with a prettier skin. Um, it's a real player. simple player, something like that. Um, now it's the Windows version. Uh, but anyway. Uh, moving on, our good friend Linus Torvalds, Linus Torvalds, um, may cause Microsoft to stop making money on Android. What? How's yes. that work? Yeah, um, one of the patents that Microsoft enforces refers to the common namespace for long and short file names, um, and somehow they use that to get money out of uh, Android for all the Android devices. And um, according to FossPatents.com, the um, blah, 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 with the Federal Patent Court of Germany, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, um, Bernders Patent Right, um, maybe, I don't know. I, I can't, I can barely speak English. I can't do German. Bundspatenrecht. Um, I'm going with that. Bundspatenrecht. Okay. It's close enough. Yeah, the Federal Patent Court of Germany had a hearing regarding this, and then there's there's a number out of it. Um, and their ruling is that it is invalid in its entirety, which means that even Microsoft's amendments to it, um, it's still invalid. So, you know, and it, this is kind of one of those, as uh, German goes, um, they're kind of big in the whole European patent law, so this might be a blow to um, Microsoft's uh, patent stream of money coming in off of Android. So, so, so basically, the issue here is the FAT file system the, that Microsoft invented, and almost all SD cards use. So, if your device yep. wants to read an SD card, it has to be able to use the FAT file system. Microsoft basically said they owned that file system, and anybody who even who could even write or read to it or use it didn't and so linus has has basically said that here's a way we can do it that doesn't infringe on you so yeah that's that's my 30 second uh review of that the quick overview yeah, <laughs> yeah. so go linus woohoo way to represent 
So a number well, of people have better. been. A number of people have been saying that you know, with the with the demise, the imminent demise of Windows XP, that uh, it's a logical choice to move those people over to Linux. Uh, they don't; they can run it on their same hardware. Uh, they don't have to pay to upgrade. Uh, you should do that. Uh, apparently, some of the Linux community is saying, "No, we don't want you." <laughs> Chris, I'll yeah, let you cover this things- one since you put it in. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was just one of those moments where I read it. And I'm like, what? Um, yeah, a lot of it is based on the idea of support um, because a lot of these users aren't going to want, they're going to want things to work in a certain way. And if they're not, it's going to have a problem. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how many people actually make the move over to X, from XP to Linux and how many just, you know, go up ahead and, and move on to a new Windows. But it's an interesting thought to say, you know, what happens if the 30, million or 30 what is it that was yeah 30 million users all of a sudden dropped into linux communities could you imagine the turmoil that would be well basically there are only two types of people who are still using windows xp the uh complete know nothings who bought a box in in 2007 and are running it and are happy with it and don't want to do anything um and the um the advanced user who's squeezing every last drop out of his box. The advanced users, we can take those people. It'll be fine. But the complete know-nothings, I think they're right. Would They would be unhappy with Linux. Linux would leave a bad taste in their mouth because it's not what they've been doing. Um, and the, the community would be unwilling and unable to support them. Uh, they would say, you know, go ask your grandma, or, or grandson, rather, grandma. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I see the point. But really, the the truth is, Neither of these classes of people will migrate to Linux. They're just not going yep. to. The the complete no nothings are just going to go get a Windows 8 tablet and complain about it and figure out how to do it. The advanced user already has a plan, and that plan is probably keep using Windows, um, yep. Windows XP. Uh, just a quick story. I had a neighbor who used to brag that he never ran antivirus, and he was running like Windows this was long enough ago. He was probably running Windows 95, 98. It was a long time ago. Um, wow. And he said, I've been running for years. I've never had an antivirus, and I've never had a virus. And uh, we'll call him Dale. That's not his name. I said, Dale, how, if you're not running an antivirus, how do you know you've never had a virus? Well, nobody's ever told me. Uh, I've never gotten any messages. I've never gotten any I said, Dale, I promise you, if you are running Windows 95 and don't have an antivirus, you have virus I, that is a promise i will make to you you are in fact infected he's an older guy you know late 50s early 60s um you know not going to be taking any precautions so i convinced dale to put uh, avg at the time on his machine um and immediately the amount of spam messages i received cut in half like that day <laughs> <laughs> I was in his address book, and he was just, you know, a zombie sending me email. Uh, so that just those are the kind of people who are still running Windows XP. Dale and his ilk are still out there running XP and blissfully ignorant to all that is all the damage that they're causing on the internet. Yep, and making us laugh and chuckle and cringe every time. All they at call. the same time. Yes. Yep. 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 Ah, uh, I know who you're it's talking just about. How it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it 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 wasn't a hard code to crack if you know Dale. <laughs> right. 
Um, this week in history, um, there's a couple of them. Actually, most recently, I'm going to throw this one out there, Seth. The, uh, the mommy internet and daddy internet got busy. Um, Tim Berners-Lee uh, conceived the internet it wasn't it wasn't for almost a full year or actually more than a year that that anything actually came of it uh but um in the last probably seven to ten days as we're recording this um tim berners lee published a document that said here's how i think we can have a distributed network he actually used the word web uh in it so uh uh, happy um get it on day (laughs) internet yeah, see that, uh, and then that, Seth. that was going to be my one for next year, Mark. Great, you really oh, for it. next year. Uh, well, yeah. you know, people were forgotten by then. Yeah, March fourteenth, nineteen ninety four, Linux 1.0.0 was released, so Linux became official. Uh, March fourteenth, nineteen ninety four. Now, at that wow. point, it was just a kernel and not an OS. Um, right, you could you could hook into the kernel with your own compilers or whatever. Uh, but uh, there was, and, and there still is no such thing as a Linux OS. Uh, let's just say that. Um, but there was, there at that point, there was no OS built around Linux. It was just a kernel. Right. Just a baby. Still in diapers. Yeah, but, you know, but when it gets to one, that's like, you know, no more alpha, no more beta. Now it's live. So that's why right. I say Linux, Linux got live uh, 1994. So, wow, like, that's a long time ago, 20 years ago. And now, 20 years later, Linux is a thing. There's operating systems and servers built around it. Linux, you know, you know, people actually do podcasts about Linux. I've heard about these things. Really? Oh my um, God, and it's kidding. pretty amazing. Another thing that people do about Linux is they teach other people how to run Linux and Linux-based uh, distributions really? and, and, and Tell operating me more. systems. And, and this company, that it's, it's new. You may not have heard of them, uh, but uh, I, I'm, I, just, I just heard about them recently. They're called the LinuxAcademy.com, and their job is to take somebody who don't know nothing about Linux and turn them into a Linux administrator. That's a pretty big goal right there. How are you yep. going to meet such an audacious goal? That's one of those big, hairy, audacious goals. It's a BHAG. Uh, how are you going to meet that goal? Well, they had a novel idea. Maybe we could do video tutorials. Now, there's going to have to be a whole bunch of them. Uh, we're looking at 200 video tutorials. That's going to take you from being a Linux uh, novice to a Linux administrator. But videos alone aren't going to be enough. You're going to need other sorts of stuff uh, to go along with your videos. You're going to need study guides. And what's the best way to uh, distribute a study guide these days? Well, PDFs, of course. So PDF study guides to go along with each and every one of those 200 training videos. But uh, there's more than that. You're, you're going to need to keep track of your progress because 200, you're going to get, who's going to open up an Excel spreadsheet and, oh, okay, watch this and I'll watch this. Well, no, no, they got all that covered for you with their lesson browser. You can see what you've done, what you need to do, the tests you've taken. Oh, test. Yes, they have tests along with your study guide. So you do a course, you take a test on it, you test your knowledge, you go back and you do it. They have all of these things built into these things called modules. Maybe you've heard of these. And as, uh, the modules uh, will uh, are a collection of tests and a collection of courses and a collection of study guides, all broken down into a step by step. You do this, then you do this, you do, then you do this. You log into their uh, console and it tells you how many hours you can expect to spend on this. And then when you're done, 
Well, obviously, you once you've watched the video and and you're you're ready to go, you're going to want to play with this sort of stuff. You're going to want to practice it. Where are you going to do that? Well, they got that covered too. They give you access to your own online uh, laboratory of virtual machines, up to eight virtual machines. Uh, you can only run one at a time, but you you run one, you play with it, you you screw it up, you bl- burn it down, you hit the delete button, you start all over again. Or you don't like that Linux distribution? That's okay. We got seven more to choose from. We'll move over here and do something else. Um, all right there online and you can you can track your progress and and they've even gone so far to now they have a new i know it's a new site but new features altogether they're open these these instructor-led study classes the lpic seth what's lpic uh it's an acronym (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry uh quick google that i can't Uh, remember Um, LPIC is the Linux Professional Institute, and the C is certifications. So uh, they are now an official Linux Professional Institute uh, certification provider. Uh, so their courses have been vetted and verified. They can give you the LPIC test now, and when you pass it, and you will pass it, um, if you've studied their stuff and you know what uh, know your stuff, and you go to take that LPIC uh, class, you can um, you can uh, uh, get certified and have a, your own Linux certification. Again, taking you from being a novice to a certified administrator right here at this one course. Now, how much are you going to expect to pay for that, Seth? Well, Mark. I while you were talking, I had this. I just had this thought. I wonder how much something like that would cost. So I went online and I found a five day boot camp, nine to five for five days, um, to just take one course called Linux Fundamentals. What do you learn in Linux Fundamentals? I don't know, but you're probably just learning some fundamentals for the bargain basement price of two thousand two hundred dollars. You can have a five day hands on course. I mean, that sounds like a bargain, Mark. Surely, if that costs yeah. that, Linux Academy would have to be some ridiculously expensive thing, right? Uh, sure, yeah, uh, but no, not quite that. For Linux Academy, it, uh, there's three tiered uh, plans for de- depending on how much you want to buy. You want to buy one month? Do you want to go month to month? It's twenty five bucks a month. You want to buy six months? That goes down a little bit. You want to buy? A year that goes down a little more, but not a whole lot. So the cheapest you can get is about ninety, about twenty, nineteen to twenty dollars a month. The most expensive you're going to pay is twenty five dollars a month. Neither of those are very drastic. But let's just say you're not ready to shuck out twenty five whole dollars. Maybe you got a couple of pizzas you want to buy instead. They'll give you a fourteen day free trial for a dollar. You don't even need a PayPal account. You can just bill it straight to your credit card. Credit card companies, by the way, hate when you bill a dollar to them. Uh, that's why the companies like P- PayPal and things like that. But you can do it. Anthony uh, will let you do that. You, you you get 14 days to look around. You can watch videos. You can try things. And then if you're sure you like it and you're going to, I would just say go ahead and buy the year. But if you don't trust me, that's fine. I understand. Pay a month to month, 25 bucks a month. Now, Seth, for your month, how much was that going to cost? Uh, well, not a month. Five days, $2,200. I was asking you to do some math there. So okay, well, eight thousand eight hundred. <laughs> there you go. So uh, you could pay almost nine thousand dollars, or you could pay twenty five dollars. I know which way I'm going to go, but I'll no let kidding. you make your own decision. But when you go there and when you sign up, because I know you're gonna, 
put uh, Everyday Linux in the referral box to let them know that, hey, we sent you there. Uh, thanks for sponsoring us, Linux Academy, and uh, we're happy uh, to uh, to be partnered with you. Yes, we are. Awesome. And moving right along to the actual topic. Don't worry, it's not going to take that long. The topic was initially going to be um, how to set up uh, your own uh, tomato or DDWRT router uh, using an old piece of equipment. Um, my week blew up, and I didn't get any chance to uh, to actually do any of that. Uh, Chris, sure, insert excuse here. Um, <laughs> Seth actually tried it, and here's what happened. Yeah. Apparently, now, first of all, you need to go to the DDWRT page and see if your model is supported because you don't want to uh, spend hours banging away only to find out you have an unsupported model. So I went that I went there and I found out my model was supported. So I tried for a while to get it to set right. And the thing I hate about this, um, you have to like be all command lining um stuff so <laughs> you know ugh, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth uh anyway but no I, I was unable to get it to accept the flash um you have to do certain things and apparent and so I, when i went digging through the forums apparently the model i chose is one that is a little quirky to begin with it wasn't a uh, it wasn't one of the more you know widely popular models that was ever out there so I was unable to get it to work. I spent a couple of hours, probably three hours over two days, uh, banging my head against it. And, you know, I, I got a headache and it just, it just wasn't fun anymore. And, uh, and plus somebody came to buy some goats too. So that's a total <laughs> best excuse ever. Somebody yes. came to buy some goats. Yeah, I not up, simulated goats, yeah, real goats. Yeah, real those ones that have been getting out, baby. They're out of here now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if I can't keep you in, I'll get you out. But yeah, so um, I'm go. going to um, I'm going to play with it some more, and I'm going to try one of the uh, I'm going to try one of my Linksys routers. I was using a, a different one, but I'm going to try one of the Linksys because they were more widely. Um, used you know and everybody knows what you know when i say linksys wireless router you're thinking the little blue box with the two antennas sticking out of the back um so yep. i'm thinking that one's going to be easier so i'm going to try with that one and uh you know so hopefully it'll be a show later on then how to set up ddrt in your house and and here's let's we can discuss this a little bit why would you want to do that well, here's a couple of answers off the top of my head. Firmware sucks. <laughs> like I said, all pe people suck without ex exception. Firmware sucks without exception. And Linksys and Cisco and Belkin and those guys um, will update firmware when they have to, when there's major egg on their face. Uh, but it's not going to happen often, and it's difficult. Yeah. And you, you know, the the odds are. Um, it's it's not going to go well. I've I've tried to update just basic firmware from the company a couple of times and and hosed a box. Um, but more than that, if you're listening to the show, you're probably a guy who likes to do stuff. And why would you settle for something off the shelf when you can have your own spun up version that you can play with? And you can do all kinds of if it's more security, you can play with the radios, uh, you can improve performance. It's amazing what you can get that little probably 200 megahertz or so processor to do. So yeah. it's been something that's been on my radar for a long time to do. 
I've just never done it yet. And this week was going to be the perfect excuse. I was going to have a reason to do it. And then, yeah, there's the whole other life that got in the way. So I apologize for that. But we do want to do this, and we and we want to do it um, soon. So hopefully we'll do that. Yeah. Also, I would like to uh, do an updated Boris Box episode. I need I need to build Ivan uh, or or some other Russian name uh, again. <laughs> And uh, I just uh, I want to update that because uh, there's there's new stuff. I'm sure I've never run I've run Untangle um, and PF Sense and other things like that at work, but at home I always went with the simple stuff. I'd like to try something a little more big iron because je- Chris makes me jealous every night before we do a show when he just cuts all Netflix traffic off on his network. Um, I would like to do it's that because nice. I know even though they're supposed to be in bed right now, at least one of my kids is watching Netflix on their tablets right at this very moment while I'm trying to do a show, and I'd love to be able to kill that uh, for, yes. uh, for them. Uh, you know, so, um, before you keep going, Mark, do you want to know my experience with DDWRT? Because I've been please. using that for a long time. Please. Okay. Because <laughs> you, you, you kind of just steamrolled didn't let me have a chance to say anything. Well, no, um, I, was, I, did not. I wasn't finished yet. I wasn't finished oh, okay. yet. Okay. I was just going to say, because you, you, you kind of blew right by me. I didn't get a chance to say anything. I am the um, sultan of the soapbox. I know. And I was letting the sultan roll. But uh, I, I'm going to throw the roadblock up and say, wait a minute. Um, I've used DDWRT on numerous uh, routers. Um, on my current Asus one, on a couple of the blue box, the blue antenna ones for from Linksys, um, I even put it on a D-Link once. Uh, but it's if you're the biggest problem you'll run up, ha- you'll run into is if the like what you ran into, Seth, is if your your router is not supported. That is the biggest problem you'll run into. Um, if you run across a supported model. It's basically you just upload the firmware package and walk away from it while it does its work. Um, I've had a couple of the D-Link one was a monster. I had to actually set up a, I had to static the IP addresses on my machine and then um, do a telnet session to the router, and because I had to load a a, I don't remember what they call it a. a their small image, their te- their temporary image, and then I had to tell or telnet into that, and then through the telnet connection, upload the full version of the DDWRT firmware. So yeah, you can run into some major restrictions on what you can do, but if you've got a supported box, it'll just update and go. Um, some of the things that I ended up being able to do um, with, at the time when this wasn't a big one, a big thing you could do was daisy chain um, two routers together. So I was able to go um, make a wireless bridge um, through these old DDWRTs that didn't support it in the native firmware. And so they now supported it, and I was able to daisy chain them together and make give wireless to an area that couldn't have wireless before, uh, which made everyone happy until the first power outage, and then they turn them back on the wrong order and the bridge <laughs> never made ne- the bridge never got created again um but yeah there there's a lot of things you can get with a ddwrt uh quality of service controls which are not in well they are in a lot of routers now but they weren't a long time ago um you had your basic controls and that was about it uh so yeah there's there's a lot of good reasons to look into ddwrt and there's 
you know, if you're f- afraid of, you know, maybe running into a incompatibility, there is a couple of routers out there that do come stock with DDWRT. So if you don't want to run or if you don't want to update your own and you're in the market for a new one, you could go over to Amazon.com or uh, elementopcom slash Amazon and search for DD. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Much better. Um, and search for the DDWRT supported router. Um, and I believe there's an Azus one. Um, I don't remember. The, 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 there's a couple of them that come stock with DDWRT built onto it. So you can actually have it without doing all of the uh, the crazy firmware hopping. So I was going to save this for when we do the show, but since we've started the discussion, I will say that in my uh, limited experience with it, it's only beneficial if you have a very old router. If you bought something in the last year and you paid more than $30 for it, you probably have all the functionality that DDWRT would give you because uh, firmware manufacturers, hardware manufacturers have seen the demand and, and started doing that. So the UPnP and, and and quality of service and things like that uh, and bridge mode are now very common in the. I'm not. I'm hesitant to say high end, but the the uh, the more mid grade. If if it costs a hundred bucks, uh, you're going to yep. get that. Um, the thirty dollar ones are often the ones that aren't on the supported list because they just don't have the 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 beef to do it. Uh, again, my information is old. It's been a few years since I looked at it. Uh, but that's my assessment of it, that if you have a really dirt cheap one or a really old one, there's value in it. Um, if you if you have a new one, you won't see immediate new functionality. You'll just know you're running uh, something that is more actively updated. And vetted. Okay, I would also say a little more secure uh, because of the two reasons you just brought up. Uh, the other... There's a, a port open, and then the I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but security now brought it up a couple of weeks ago about a backdoor port that's open, or the uh, what was that guy's name? Another security now comment about um, if you have the certain user string set up, you can just walk into certain routers without any password oh, yes. or anything. Those things aren't as well they're they could still happen but they're not as frequent because it's vetted and beat on with other with you know thousands of eyes so there are some things that ddwrt and the tomato firmware give you by going to them Um, it's just you're gonna have to make sure to weigh your pros and cons instead of just doing it there you go um i i it's probably worthwhile to do. I wouldn't say it's rec- something that everybody should do. Right. But, you know, if you're listening to this show, you're probably interested in playing with it. Yeah, it never hurts because the other thing that's nice about it, even if you do, like, uh, my um, my Zeus router that I have currently set up in, in access point mode only, thanks to PFSense, but uh, when I had DDWRT on it, it never had... I, I, should say never. I had to less reboots in a month of torrenting than I do now. <laughs> um, and, and you know, if, uh, for for those watching the show live, they already know this, but uh, it will be edited out uh, uh, later. But the, my little device that I was so fond of just died 
<laughs> my little D-Link that actually I'm not fond of. I hate it. I hate that I'm having to run it. Uh, but interesting, it's the same wireless access point I've used for years as just an access point uh, in front of Boris. But now that it's doing the firewalling and everything, um, it craps out periodically. And it just did while we were talking about why it would be good to replace the firmware. Irony. <laughs> Very much so. Um, yeah, Mark, if, if you want to go down the road for PF Sense one of these times, we can definitely go down there. I've set it up now um, on my machine. My boss at the school, um, he was not running a, he was running a, a simple, you know, D-Link or whatever. And I convinced him to change over to it. And this week, he uh, he made the full switch over, and he said, "I'm never going back." Yeah. My my Netflix stream never buffered once, so it's it's yeah. What I would things. what I would like to do next is um, build a, a little box with multiple wireless cards in it and make it the firewall and the wireless, just like the little box, only with with much better equipment. Um, oh, okay. and. I know you can do it. I've seen seen people do it. I just think it would be an interesting experience, even though I often uh, encourage people not to do that. I think it's better to separate those tasks. But just as an experiment, I would like to do the, the same thing in a PC form factor. And it would probably right. cost $400 as opposed to buying two $30 boxes. Uh, but, again, it's just something that I want to play with. I mean, it shouldn't uh, the cost. The only thing I would say when it it shouldn't cost that much. Yeah, it's gonna come you know, close. you buy an old hardware and then close. throw in a couple of $10 wireless cards. Well, but the wireless cards are going to be the issue because you have to yeah. make sure they're fully supported by PFSense in order to set them. Mm, um, yeah. If you're going to go with PFSense, if you're going to go with somebody else, you know, Smoothwall or uh, whatever, you know, there there's plenty of other options there, but you got to make sure that the cards are 100% supported because uh, I tried doing that with a couple of cards when I when I first built my PF Sense box, and uh, one card was partially supported and the other card was not. Yeah. So and not all cards are set up to be um, uh, access, access points. points. Yep. Uh, some of them can do a bridged and some can't, but not all of them are set up to to be because that that's more work. So I'd have to yep. make sure I had uh, at least two because right I want a true diversity system so i'd need two that could be uh access points and i would need uh the hardware uh, cable nick on the other side as well so it'd be, it would be you know a more advanced than my old jetta circa 1998 uh laptop <laughs> that i pulled off the trash heap um but again i think it would be fun would and the be, day um... the day that somebody sends me a fifteen hundred dollar mac uh, so that I can try it for real, I'll repurpose one of these machines and do that, and it'll be great. There you right. go. Okay, I think I think that's enough for now. Obviously, we didn't give you a full topic, but hey, you, you know us by now. You should know better than to expect a full topic. Uh, so moving on to our links of the week. I'm not even going to call them tips anymore. They stopped being tips a long time ago. Seth, what do you got for us this week? Will it crush? You just have to watch the video because it's freaking awesome. It's Arnold. It's Arnold crushing stuff with a tank. So, uh, oh. <laughs> it is awesome. Um, and it's for a cause. <laughs> you are paying $10 for a charity to get an entry. And if you win, you get 
to go uh, to Los Angeles and be the co-pilot and just run over stuff in his tank. <laughs> I I want him to try a safe, like a full-on bank safe, and see if he can crush it with a tank. Do I have to supply the safe? No, I mean, he crushes a taxi cab, a piano. Yeah, I'm watching it right now with you. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Awake to that. Set of barbells. Um, yep. A picnic table? Because who would not think that a picnic table full of cakes? <laughs> kittens? Oh, he's not really going to do kittens. No, bubble oh. wrap. <laughs> oh, the bubble wrap was awesome. We all started at about the same time, so we're watching it together. Oh, awesome. I, I, you got to love Arnold. <laughs> you can sit here. <laughs> Oh, you have to go watch this video, people. Will yes. Cross. It's it's omaze.com slash Arnold and then uh <laughs> a giant Easter egg? Awesome. So Okay, we're going to stop watching the video now. This this is the worst kind. You know, I, I complain about other shows that do that sometimes, <laughs> but at least they pipe the audio in. We're not even doing that. We're just commenting yeah. on something that nobody can see. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> we're going to stop doing that now. Hey, this has been a show. Believe it or not, this is what we call a podcast around here. And thank you for listening to it because, frankly, we know you probably had better things to do with your time. Uh, but if you would like to be on the show, uh, like Richard was and like the unnamed listener whose name I couldn't remember was, uh, you can feed back to us over at our website, uh, elementop.com. Click the Contact Us button at the top of the page. That'll f- pop up a nice little form, including a CAPTCHA, that I promise you'll be able to figure out. Um, uh, and it'll let you send us an email. Uh, or if you just want to do it directly, send it to edl at elementop.com. Or if you want to have your voice on the show, we actually have some voicemail uh, that the guys mentioned last week um, queued up, and we will play that soon. But you can actually have your voice on the show by dialing 559-IAM-OP, anywhere in the North American continent. Uh, or you can uh, go to our website and click the uh, leave us a voicemail widget and enter your phone number and Google Voice will call you if you're too lazy to even call the voicemail. Um, we encourage you to do that. We like you to do that. And also, as the guys have mentioned, um, you know, if you want to, uh, if you're shopping on Amazon and you want to use our link, it won't cost you anymore, but it throws a few bucks my way. And if you're just so inclined to just tip me some money or send me a laptop uh, you can do those uh things through the tip jar all at elementop.com go there see my ugly website and uh and uh, uh become a contributor to the community plus we have uh oh, did you guys talk about it i guess you didn't um i think i forgot to put it in the show we have a new contender for perhaps best bad movie um, promises to be even worse than sharknado yeah that, so um, there's a tease for next week yeah okay i i have it in my in my queue so yes it's available uh, on next I'm, netflix i'm hoping to get to it we'll see if i can make it um i think that's all i have to say thanks for joe listening p. everybody Shh. don't say those words joe p Shh. <laughs> what i missed it I'm still He's in, not the, in the chat room. room. He's trying oh, to spoil He's the it. one who who put it out there. Okay. Yep. Yep. Shh. Don't say those words. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Joe left us 
lots of <laughs> feedback. If you want to know how to send feedback, ask Joe P because he sent us 400 emails in about an hour and a half. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. I'm not, nothing but love for you, brother. Um, I and appreciate that. I, I had that. good fun reading them too, Joe. Yes. So keep them coming. Everybody, keep all the feedback coming. We love it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Chris, Seth, thanks for being. It was a great to be back with you all. It was great uh, to. Uh, I enjoy doing this show. I'm glad that some of you actually enjoy listening to it. And and if you do enjoy listening to it, tell others about it. And one of the most painful ways, but also most effective ways you can do that, is find a Hulk of a of, a, of an XP machine that's about to be decommissioned, and uh, load iTunes on it, and go over to the iTunes store and leave us a rating and a review. I would appreciate it very much. But if you're a Stitcher listener or a Blueberry listener or any of those guys whatever mechanism you have for rating reviewing thumbs upping uh our show please do so let other people know about it tell 15 people you like and three people you don't like uh to listen to our show and uh and we will it would be a good thing the more people that can listen the better uh because that's what they tell me is how it works uh so i'm gonna call it i'm gonna say that ends this show thanks everybody that ends this episode of every day